Today I'm going to be uh, preaching a little bit out of um, Leviticus, a little bit out of Thessalonians, a little bit out of Hosea, and we're actually going to begin uh, in the book of Hosea chapter 14. So why don't we turn there, and I'm going to, uh, we, the Lord is not offended, you're allowed to multitask, you can uh, go through your Bible as we pray. So Lord, we, uh, we just come before you and we thank you for the family feel of the spirit that is in this church at Bristol, Lord. We thank you that we can celebrate you and celebrate this uh, understanding of being a family together today at the barbecue. And Lord, we just ask right now that, well, you just bless our kids downstairs with wisdom and knowledge of, of who you are. And Lord, we pray that we can have ready hearts to receive from you from your word, in your name, amen. So, um, in case you are not aware, tonight at sundown is a biblical holiday. Okay? Now, a lot of people say it's a Jewish holiday. Well, that is true, but it's also very true that it's a biblical holiday, which Jewish people celebrate. Um, and there's a lot of interesting things with it. Uh, one is uh, people refer to it as Rosh Hashanah, or Rosh Hashanah. Uh, Rosh meaning the head and Hashanah meaning the year, head of the year. So just like we have like Chinese New Year or our New Year, there's a Jewish New Year. But we're going to find actually uh, that is that there's, that's not actually exactly what's going on here. All right? Because in the scriptures it actually does not refer to the holiday as Rosh Hashanah. It is referred to as Yom Teruah. And uh, we will unpack that. Now, a lot of times people are like, well, why, why in a New Testament context would we be taking time to look at some of these Older Testament uh, uh, holidays? Well, there's a lot of reasons for it. One, the Lord said to recognize and to celebrate them, so that's, that's just one. And the second here is we have to understand that everything in the Scriptures are, everything in the scriptures are, are, are pointing to the coming of Messiah. So when we, when we plug into some of these ancient paths, as Jeremiah talks about, as we enter and we study these things, you get to see the beauty of the gospel being manifest thousands of years before. And there are things that, can, that, that we can learn from that we may have not always been reminded of. And so that's really the, the big reason for it. Uh, and, you know, it's all giving God the glory. Amen? Amen. So let's take a look. Hosea chapter 14. 1 through 6. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, take away all sin. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Now, let's just do the scripture verses right there. Look, look what just happened here. Return to the Lord. Return back to him. And say to him, take away our sins, our iniquity, and be gracious unto this. So here we have a prophet of the Bible, a minor prophet, Hosea, in the Older Testament, right here in just a couple of verses, has just outlined this, the notion of repentance, forgiveness of sins, and grace. Right there. Amazing. For we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods. 
Very powerful. For in you the fatherless finds mercy. I will hear their, heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. This is God speaking. For my anger has turned away from him. And I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like a lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Powerful. Uh, what I really wanted to focus in here on here is this. In the book of Hosea, we have this very, very powerful thing that is being stated. I, God, will love them, Israel, freely. Freely. Without strings attached. Without you having to do something. I'm going to love them freely. And this is, a, this is really a powerful testimony of grace. Because we're talking about today, right? Let's go back to it. Is, uh, today is the Feast of Trumpets, which we're going to talk about, a remembrance of grace. I will love them freely. No matter what you've done, no matter how much you've screwed things up, Israel, I will love you freely. And of course, that is also in the New Testament context, speaking unto the world, I shall love you freely. All of you, I'm going to love you. I do love you. And so, you know, I'm going before the Lord with all of this. And I'm like, all right, you know, it's, it's, it's this holiday, Rosh Hashanah. And like, people that know a little bit about it are like, oh, it's like New Year, it's, it's apples, it's, it's honey. You, you wish someone Lashana Tova, which means have a good year. It's known by all these names, Jewish New Year, it's known by Rosh Hashanah. Uh, it's sometimes even referred to... Uh, as the Feast of Trumpets, or as most Americans in the Northeast, it's simply referred to as, you know, a day off from school. So what's going on with this thing? And how does it relate to a remembrance of grace? And how does it relate to the notion of the Lord our God loving us freely? All of these things are coming together through this holiday. Leviticus chapter 23, you like to turn, you can, but I'm just going to read a verse out of there. Leviticus chapter 23 uh, explains what we are to do or what Israel was to do on Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets. So Leviticus chapter 23, verse 23, we begin. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. So tonight at sundown, it's a two-day uh, festival in the modern interpretation. Jewish people from around the world will not work, hence the day off from school. Um, they will go to synagogue. They will offer up prayer and worship, and they will blow the shofar, which was already blown uh, today during worship. And then what? And then they will eat, of course, right? <laughs> um, the reason for the, the apples and honey is like, you know, may your new year be a sweet kind of thing. Coming from the Psalms, it says, you know, that his, his word is like honey upon my lips. And so those are the things that are going on, right? A Sabbath rest, a blowing of trumpets. A holy convocation, which means a gathering of people. 
Um, but, you know, if you read this, I don't know if anyone picked this up. It's like, wait, we, we say it's a new year, but it actually says uh, during the seventh month. How is it a new year if it's the seventh month of the year? Like, what? What would that be for us? January, February, March, April, May, June, July. July. Like, that's us having a New Year celebration in July. It's like, what? What's going on? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, New Year would be in the beginning of the year. Now, look, this is the thing that's going on here. In the scriptures, it doesn't say have a new year. In the scriptures, it says you are to Yom Teruah. You are to have a day of shouting. A day of blowing the trumpets. Now, the English translates it as blowing trumpets. But in the Hebrew, it says Yom Teruah, which you will blow trumpets. But Yom is day and Teruah is shouting. It's a day to get loud. It's like, whoa. It's a day to get loud. Well, why is it a day to get loud? Well, there's lots of reasons why today is a day to get loud. To blow trumpets. To send forth an alarm. So today at sundown, biblically speaking, is a day for the alarm to go out. Well, what is this alarm? Well, before we talk about the alarm and what's going on, I guess it would be, make sense for us to listen to what this kind of, well, sound is. So um, if we can play the audio, please. This is what is traditionally uh, done on Rosh Hashanah. First Thessalonians 4:16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet or the shofar of God. And the dead in Messiah will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. That sound that you just heard is probably going to be most likely the sound and even the actual, not just the uh, shofar itself, but the actual notes that are being played on there. That will be the sound that's going to cause the earth to quake and Jesus to come out of the clouds at the end of time to rapture us, to bring us up into the clouds. Like, that's what's going on here. So, all right, you're like, whoa, Jesus, Yeshua, is coming back to earth one day with the blowing of the great trumpet blast. And it's like, well, why, why a great trumpet blast? Like, why is this going on? Well, all of it has to do, really, with the mysteries that are happening in this ancient holiday. Because it's the day of shouting. It's the day of alarm. So how does it work? Yom Teruah, which today is known as Rosh Hashanah, which originally is known as the day of trumpets, or the day of shouting, the day of alarm, begins 
10 days of what's known as the 10 days of awe. The alarm goes out and you have 10 days of a time of reflection. And at the end of these 10 days will be the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Well, what is the Day of Atonement? The Day of Atonement is this, the older covenant uh, uh, process with the temple that you have sinned, the nation has sinned. On the Day of Atonement, which will be 10 days from tonight, they would take the sacrifices and bring it inside of the temple. They would, they, would, they would cast the blame, the sins of the whole nation of Israel onto these animals. They would sacrifice the animals. And now your sins would be covered over for one year. So what's the alarm? The alarm is, in 10 days, a sacrifice will be made for you. Listen to the shout. Listen to the call for repentance. Get your heart right before the sacrifice comes in 10 days. That's what that alarm is. Now we bring this into a New Testament context. We know who the atoning one is. It's Jesus. He is the atonement. And I'm telling you, man, it's like unbelievable how these things line up and how they link up. The blowing of the shofar blast, the Lord is returning. And what is returning on that moment? He who is atonement is coming to judge the nations. That's why there's a trumpet blast. It's, it's reticent of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah. The blast goes out, get your hearts ready. Grace is coming. It is here. It's powerful. Now, in Jewish thinking, which lines up with things in the Bible, will be that during these 10 days, you need to get ready because something's happening. On Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, a book is opened in heaven. Does anyone know the name of that book? The Book of Life. And if you get your hearts right in these 10 days, on this day, your name shall be written in the book of life. That's what they are believing. Now this lines up with some things, with scriptures that, 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 that are continued by the teachings of the Lord. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15 says this, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That, that's the Bible. That's not me. That's the Bible. If your name is not written in the book of life, you're cast into an eternal fire. In the Old Testament context, how do you get your name written in the book of life? During these 10 days, you're reflective. You bear the sacrifice. The priests atone for the nation of Israel. Now that's, that's cool. But there are problems with that, hence the coming of the Lord. Your sins were just covered over. They weren't eliminated. And there is significance in that. Your name would then have to go back into the book every year. Like, your name is in the book for 365, and let's see where things are next, next season. Let's see where things are going. All right? That's underneath the, the, the older covenant. And so, fine, you know, I'm looking at all this, and some of us, you know, know a lot of these things, and some of this is, like, completely brand new. Like, what is this? Like, Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, what does this have to relate with me, and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. You know, I, I think, like, we need to be reminded. Be reminded where 
the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of New Testament, the, the teachings of grace, the teachings of forgiveness, the teachings of salvation are coming from. They're coming from the Jewish people and their God that we love and follow. But I'm sitting here as a uh, German, Slovakian, Swede. That's where my family's from. I'm sitting here like, when this is going on 5,000 years ago, and my ancestors are living in Northern Europe 5,000 years ago, what on earth were my ancestors doing? 5,000 years ago, which gods were my ancestors serving? Like this is, this is, this is a remembrance of grace. Whether you're Jewish or not, but I think even maybe in some regards, I don't hate to do this, but maybe almost in some weird way, there's another level if you're, if you're not of a natural seed of Israel because your ancestors were doing this. My ancestors are like praying to the moon. They're making sacrifices to all various kind of gods. They're doing all this weird stuff. Like that's what my ancestors were doing, man. Until Jesus came to them. Until atonement came to them. Now I know what people will say, you know, Romans chapter 1 says that the Lord has made himself known in creation for all of the earth. I get that, Romans chapter 1. But let's be real. My ancestors probably were worshipping all of these pagan gods. Okay? They probably were. Now, if I take a look at this, 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 is, this, is the power, this is the power of grace, guys. This is the power of the full gospel. Today, on planet Earth, the Jewish people represent point, that's 0.2% of the world population. I'm going to say that again. 0.2% of the world population is Jewish. Now, if I take that and I go back into, into, into you know, these times, I'm like, holy cow. That would mean that 99.8% of the world population was not serving the true God. Like, think about that. Like, you're saved if you call upon the God of Israel. And if the priest performs the sacrifices, which only 0.2% of the entire world was doing. So 99.8% of the world, what's happening to them? If they're like my ancestors, they're probably praying to some weirdo demon. Now I'm sure there are always people that are running around the forests of Germany and of Denmark and Sweden and wherever the heck your families are from or from Africa or whatever that knew somehow in their spirit. Because Romans 1 says that. But I'm just being real. Like most of them were not. Right? And so I think this is like a profound reminder of grace. Because through this, and through this understanding of a need for sacrifice, a need, the Lord needs a sacrifice for the atonement of sin. To get that, the eternal one, the eternal God of heaven, came to earth. And his message went out to the nations. 
Without that, my family line would still be serving other gods. We forget, like in the 21st century, like, oh, Christianity, this stuff's been around for so long. Okay. But 2,000 years on planet Earth is not very long in the history of things. See, before Yeshua, before Jesus, the priest would go into the temple during this time and he would perform a sacrifice and the sins of, Israel's, of Israel were, it was covered over. The sins of who? The sin of Israel was covered over. The sin of the German barbarians was not covered over. The sin of African paganism was not covered over. The sin of Hindus and Buddhists was not covered over. The sin of Israel was covered over. Talk about grace, people. Now there's, there's, there's the message of full redemption. Now even Israel had their thing, right? I mean, okay, their sins were covered over. But their sins were not eliminated. See, by the power of grace and by the power of the coming of the eternal sacrifice, our sins are not covered over, they're eliminated. Amen? Amen? And what does it mean when they're eliminated? It means that I get to have full reconciliation with God. It means that the relationship is completely restored. It means that every year my name doesn't have to be rewritten in the book of life. It is written there in permanent ink of blood. Amen. And probably one of the most powerful things that a lot of the church forgets is that because sin has been eliminated and sin is finished and there's full reconciliation between I, an unholy man, and God, a holy God, Amen. that we get to have full, full, full interaction. And to enable that full interaction is the testimony, as we read during a worship, of the Holy Ghost. Like, people forget this, man. Like, King David did not have the Holy Spirit in him. It could not be in him, because he was a sinful man. The Holy Spirit did not reside inside of Moses. It came on Moses, because they're sinful men. But you redeemed because of, not of what you have done, but because of the grace and because of the blood of Jesus. We get to have the Holy Spirit not on us that can go at some point. He's in me all of the time. That's the full power of the gospel. It's not just I'm saved and I get to get into the pearly white gates. It's that I got the Holy Spirit of God that was residing inside of the temple is now inside of me. I have things that King David could only dream of and write Psalms to. I have things that Ezekiel saw a wheel within a wheel when he has a heavenly vision. I have it now in me. And you do too if you call upon the name of the Lord. Amen? Man, that's a lot of grace. That's a lot of beauty. That's a lot of awesomeness for the Greenockle clan that was running around Northern Europe sometime worshiping like wolves and stuff, as I said. Oh, the power and the beauty of grace. So how I many of you are thinking about all this, obviously? Richie, sorry that I forgot about the testimony, but 
I want, we'll have room at the end for you to stoke that flame. All right? Richie's got an awesome testimony. I don't know, I was just in, in, ready to get into the word, or I'm just thinking about hamburgers. Barbie. Oh, I thought you were going to say not by bread, but also by hamburgers. Because I'm not living by bread. I need some meat. And the word of God, of course, right? That's funny. All right, well, let's get, let's get back into it. So, you know, I'm thinking about all this, this power of, of, of all this, the power of grace of the Lord coming to earth as, as, as a man and offering himself up as a sin offering. You know, so that I could receive all heavenly blessings and full inheritance by him. Especially for our people that were, you know, running around worshiping pagan gods. You know, I was thinking about this and, you know, I'm thinking about Rosh Hashanah, right, of course, you know, and, and, and the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and how to fit this all in. And, you know, the Lord has just kind of put in my heart with all this, like, because, you know, there's so many different things that I could, we, one could teach on with these biblical holidays. Like, it's like, you, you could... You could teach on different aspects forever. And I've taught on it multiple times. I'm like, well, Lord, what, like, what do you want this time? And I, and I felt the Lord was just saying, through this holiday of the book of life being opened, but then closed, mine's open. It's open all of the time. And I felt the Lord just saying, like, look, man, in the Bible, I have commanded my people to have a day, a day of sounding the alarm. Sounding the alarm to listen to that book opening up, the book of grace. And I was looking at, you know, Christianity as a whole, or I was looking at my own life, and, and I was just thinking, I was like, man, do we contemplate grace? In this context, you have a full day. You really have 10 days of, like, the whole nation just spending their time, energy, resources on the contemplation that God would be gracious enough to open up a book and then close it. But yet we can meditate on the realities of him opening up the book and keeping it open. I was like, man, do we contemplate grace? Do we remember the power of grace? Uh, Do we go through our life and through our ministries like meditating on the power of the gospel, the power of grace? I know we like to say, oh, grace, grace, grace. But like, do we meditate on the importance and the reality of grace that has come unto the nations? That we would be worshiping pagan gods if it wasn't for Jesus and the disciples getting the message out. Like, it's crazy. The power of just that grace alone, let alone the grace of my own, like, my own life in Him. It's so important to do that. And so... Yom Teruah, also known as Rosh Hashanah, is really a built-in biblical holiday to provide the opportunity for one to meditate on the depths of grace. It's a very powerful thing. And we can talk about grace, but I think one needs to meditate on grace. You know what I'm saying? Like you just talk about it in like very Christian language. But no, like waking up in the day and be like, what would my life be like without the grace of the Lord? 
I don't mean like the grace of the Lord, like I need to be able to get through work. No, I'm talking about like eternal damnation, not having your name written in the book of life, all of that. It's like, I mean, you don't want to like be morbid about it, but like when you meditate on such things for just a fraction, it's like, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. What is grace? Right? You know, so we look at this and, you know, one of our, well, I mean, everyone's like favorite song, right? Amazing grace. Like what is grace? Good. I mean, it's a name, a girl's name. People call someone Grace, but it's a, it's, it's a concept. It's in reality. Favor of, God. Favor of God. Good. To try to uh, get this, for us to understand this, is, it's, I think largely in order to understand a concept, uh, you have to know it by its opposite. What's the opposite of Grace. Karma. Oh, yeah. What is karma? Uh, essentially, to make it simple, because it's a much more complicated Hindu and Buddhist teaching, but you get what you deserve. Like, if you do good things, you're going to get good things in return. And if you do bad things, then karma is going to come by you. Hence the phrase karma is a B-I-T-C-H, right? Like, what you do, you get back. Now, to be honest, I mean, in some regards, it's kind of like, it's somewhat true in terms of like if you do and you sow into things, you reap bad things. If you sow into good things, you reap good things. I mean, it's not actually completely off, but, but in a spiritual salvation-based concept, it's off. And so grace is the opposite of that. Grace is the opposite of karma. Karma is about getting what you deserve. Grace is about getting what you don't deserve. I don't deserve, as a sinful man, to enter into heavenly places with the Son of God and the Most High God. I don't deserve that. There's nothing that I can do to deserve that. There's no good that I could do. There's no good work. There's no preaching. There's no prayer. There's no worship that would allow me to deserve the power of the gospel. Hence the power of the gospel. I remember, uh, you know, I was living in Israel and I, I had roommates that were uh, orthodox. It was a very interesting uh, dynamic. And we would talk about, about such things, right? And, you know, and, you know I, could, I could show them prophecies in the scriptures about, about the coming of the Messiah and they would have like some kind of excuse like, no, 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 blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And we would talk about all this stuff late at night and I'm telling you, man, the thing that stopped them dead in the tracks was grace. There was like no paradigm. I said, to the best of my knowledge, every religion has something that you have to do to earn. Right? Whether it's like Dharma of the Eastern philosophies, whether it's like self-sacrifice and denying the pleasures of things so that you can enter into a state of nirvana, whether it's like praying three times a day for, 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 for Islam, where it's in, in Judaism that's not necessarily founded in the biblical text, but the Judaism of the rabbis that say you have to do all of these things and do all of these commandments. And I would talk to my friends, I said, faith in Yeshua, faith in the Jewish Messiah is this. You acknowledge that there is nothing that you could do 
There is nothing that you could do, man. It's everything that He has done for you that allows you into His presence. It's an acknowledgement, right? That from the right hand of God had to come salvation because He saw that there was no man that was worthy which is found in the scroll of Isaiah. He saw no one that could do it. And there's nothing I can do. And there's nothing you can do except for this. An act of humility. I need the amazing grace of God. But we don't always remember that. Because we get saved and we go on with things. And we start concerning ourselves with all the other things that you need to learn about. How do you pray? How do you worship? How do you do counseling? How do you teach? How do you do this? And what about this? And what about that? All these very, very good and holy things. They absolutely are. There's nothing wrong with that. But man, sometimes we get so busy and so focused on that that we forget the notion of amazing grace. That a wretch like me. A wretch like me. I was reading something by, uh, by John Piper, who uh, he went uh, to, uh, to, to a church, and uh, they were singing Amazing Grace, and they changed, he was visiting church, they changed the word wretch. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, right? They saved a, I forget what it was, like a lost one like me, or, what were they doing? They were taking out the power of the effects of sin. Like, Amazing grace, he didn't just save me, he saved a wretch like me. Amen. And I'm not here to like fire and brimstone it because there's no need for fire and brimstone when you come into faith with the Lord. But the reality is I was a wretch. Amen. I was a sinner. I was not worthy. But he came and he saved me anyway. And when we think about that, it humbles you. When you think about that, you don't become legalistic. When you come be, think like that, you no longer have an ounce and a bone of judgment towards other people. Because you're like, I was that too, and I would be that if I did not receive the power of the gospel. Because I was a wretch, and now I'm a favored son of God. Amen? So, grace is the opposite. It's receiving what you do not deserve by Him. It is unwarranted favor. By Him. And we live in a world of a, a, a lot of earning, a lot of doing, a lot of merit-based things, right? Well, hopefully merit-based. And that helps our society go around, and I like that. I, I mean, I like competent people. You know, I like, you know, the guy who's putting in the plumbing in my house to be competent. Because if not, you know, a couple months later, we're going to have a leak. You know what I mean? And so merit-based things are, are sometimes very, very good. But we can't allow that type of thinking, right, to come into our spirituality. Like, I need to earn it, I need to do it, I need to have merit and do things in order to win, right? It's by grace that we are saved. And of course, faith without works is dead, we absolutely know that. But it's not like I need to pray a little harder to get to him. Like, he's here already. Like the parakeet, the curtain in the temple has been destroyed. The Holy Spirit is in me all the time, whether I'm acting like a knucklehead or not acting like a knucklehead. I just need to train my mind to tap into that. Amen. And what keeps me from acting like a knucklehead at certain times is a reminder of the Holy Spirit living inside of me because of the full amazing grace of the Messiah. Amen. 
It's not that I'm just saving it through pearly white gates. It's that I have a life, life abundantly. And that the promise of the inheritance is sealed by the Holy Spirit. So when I walk through this life, I have a life of victory and a life of power. Amen. Come on, that's an amen, right? Amen. But we don't always meditate on that. Because we're thinking about all the other stuff we need to do, would like to do in the church. But here is a holiday. The alarm has gone forth. The shout has been declared. Ponder the depths of grace. And that's in the Older Covenant. Man, when I hear a shofar go off, I know it, sometimes it's like, well, this is weird. What's this? Or this is new. Man, when I hear that shofar go off, I'm like, man, that is the sound where the dead will be raised. Like, unbelievable. So, Various perceptions of grace. Maybe we have the worship team come on down. Mario, are you, uh, you good? Um, it's actually quite funny. Because um, Tuesday night is my night uh, to really do like, the majority of the sermon preparation. The reason being here is because the week is very busy. Monday, I'm still like, have a spiritual hangover from Sunday. You're allowed to laugh. Monday is like some personal things for my life, things that I want to do. And Tuesday, the kids go to bed at 7.30. Nice. If we can. Nice. My wife either goes out to a women's group or she's doing her thing and I have my time. Right? And then usually I'm able to, like, on a Thursday or Friday, Saturday, you know, go, go do some more things. And, but, like, Tuesday night's, like, the, you know, the, the big night for preparation. So, you know, this week was my birthday, so there was, like, some birthday festivities. So, hey, you know, like, Saturday is, boom, done, right? Friday night was kind of done as well. Thursday was my actual birth. No, Friday was my actual birthday. Uh, but Thursday, the kids wanted to do something. It's just like nuts, right? Wednesday was church, so it's like, oh man, if I don't get sermon prep on Tuesday, this week's going to be, it's going to be pretty tough. So Michelle goes out to a work thing, because sometimes she works part-time from home, and sometimes she has to go out, you know, to make a, a house call uh, for, for the au pairs that she works with. Uh, and so she goes out, and she says, I'm going to go out, I'll feed the baby, and I'll put her to bed right before I go. She usually works. Guess what? This time it didn't work. As soon as Mama Bear left, I sit down, crack open the laptop, get my coffee, I get my word out, just brainstorming about like, Lord, where are you? Where are you taking us to church? What should I do? I'm praying, listening to worship music. It's all, man, kid, you know, kid one, kid two are, is out cold. Kid three is out. Yes, and I. Soon as I start to write on the paper, right, Hannah starts to cry. And I'm like, all right, she's six months old. You really can start to let him cry it out by now, a little bit, right? Not like a long time. I'm like letting her cry it out a little bit. Bro, yeah, it wasn't happening. There was, you know, those that have little ones, have had little ones, you know, you can pacify her as much as you want. You can change the diaper as much as you want. And there's just times when nothing is going to work. Amen? Amen? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Come on now. Amen. You even start playing, bro. 
And I'm there. I'm holding this baby. Whose name is Hannah or Hannah. Hannah in Hebrew means grace. And I'm sitting there and she's crying. And as soon as I pick her up, she's not crying. As soon as I put her down again, she's crying. And I'm sitting there holding her, Hannah, meaning grace. And the Lord just downloaded the whole sermon to me when I'm sitting there. David, look at this relationship between grace. Fine, daughter and father, I get it. But how about grace and father? Look at this relationship between grace that is represented by my daughter and you. A representation of a father and a father. I felt the Lord was just saying, man, there are no prayers. There are no tears. There are no good deeds. There is nothing that's going to cause a father to love his child. He just loves the child. Because the child is mine. The Lord is just like, David, come on, man. Meditate on the power of grace. I love you. I love mankind. Not because of anything that they have done, because that is karma. I love you because you are my own. And that's grace. Amen? Guys, there's too many people in the church who believe in karma. You kind of do to some extent. It's like, well, I don't deserve this because I did this. And the Lord can't give me this because I screwed up my life. And I can't do this because I sinned and I have sinned. Dude, you're not a Hindu. You're not a Buddhist. You are son of El Elyon, the most high God, Abba Father. He's like, I'm giving it to you because you don't deserve it. So we gotta, even when we come to faith, we gotta like change our mind and say, come on, I know I don't deserve it. That's the power of the blood of the gospel. That's right. The, I do not deserve being in the book of life, but my name is surely in the book of life. Woo! The power of grace. The power of the gospel. I could have been worshiping some pine tree in the middle of northern wherever, right? But no, man, I worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords because he came to me. He came to me, man. I didn't just read a book and get saved. He came to me. Woo! And if you don't believe me, Charles Spurgeon. The blood of Jesus. His groans and pain on the cross are not the cause of the Father's love. They are the fruit, the manifestation of His love. You've got to understand, the Father in heaven does not love you because of Jesus. He has always loved you, and that's why He gave you Jesus. Jesus was not the bargaining chip of the love. God was in such pain in some regards for the love to be received from mankind and the distancing that has happened since the time of Adam that he said, I want to raise up a new Adam out of my own, Jesus, my son, to bear the burdens of all the sins and all the penalty. Jesus on the cross is not the way, is, is, not, is not the... I'll make sure I theologically say this right. 
The blood of Jesus is not what makes God love me. He loves me, so he brought forth the blood of Jesus. So that we could be here again. So there'd be no separation. So the Holy Ghost would be residing inside of me. And this is a very important thing because there's people who are like, Oh, you know, why would God love me? It's only because of Jesus' blood he loves me. No, he loves you unconditionally. And it's because of Jesus that you can have community. There are people in the church that just receive God's love that has already been there, but have no community. You need to have community, reconciliation because of the blood of Jesus, amen? Different perceptions of grace to close things up. There's two different types of people when perceiving this stuff. The first type of person, which I don't think is worse than the second type of person. So I want to, in case you think I'm slamming a hammer on this type of person, I think they're just as bad, or, yeah, I think the second type of person is just as bad as the first. The first type of person is the cheap grace people. Well, I have the grace of the Lord, so I'm going to do whatever I want. You wanting to do whatever you want is different than you struggling with a sin. Okay? Let's be real. There are things of the flesh that still try to hold on to you. If we surrender to its power in, in the concept of saying like, I'm just going to do it because I'm just a weak man, I'm just going to do this, or I'm just a weak woman, I think that's the place of cheap grace. I'm just going to do it. That's different than like, man, I'm really struggling with stuff and I know it's wrong, I know it's bad, and I keep going to the Father, and I just keep saying, Lord, I need the grace. It's different. And the only person that knows what's actually operating with that is you. Like, you know the internal dialogue, like, oh, I can just sin one more time. There's grace there. So, that type of cheap grace, like, hey, do whatever the heck you want. The Lord is just going to love you. Okay, there's a truth to that, but that, that's not a true understanding of grace. That is, a, that is you. I'm just going to call it what it is. That's you in rebellion. That's you in rebellion with God. And you're diminishing the beauty and the power and the depths of grace. Um, you are probably not really engaging in the love of the Lord. You've made the Lord your prostitute. Give me what I want now. That's different than intimacy of marriage and being a bride unto Christ. Let me just do what I want and I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your blood to let me do what I want and there'll be grace there. You've made the Lord your prostitute. You being the bride of Christ in this symbolic kind of way, is entering into that intimacy with him and, and, and not using him just to get what you want. And so there's another type of people, which I think, I, I, honestly, I mean, I know preachers don't necessarily talk about this way, but I think they're equally in need of grace. Uh, and that's the people that are a little bit more my temperament, and that is beating yourself up. The hard-on-yourself people. Now I know, everyone's like, no, the cheap grace people, right? They keep sinning and they keep just saying, they're, they're, they're the bad ones, they're not doing it right. No, people, we're all the same. And the people that are so hard on themselves because of what they've done that is wrong, you also are cheapening grace. 
You're saying you're not worthy enough, you're not good enough, you should just live in this world of karma instead of this world of grace. It's equally as bad and it's equally as profound and it's equally as destructive in not understanding the power of who he is. And for those people, interesting enough, on Rosh Hashanah there is a tradition that is done. It's known as Tashlich. And I'm saying that some of you need to have this Tashlich moment. And what is it? During Rosh Hashanah and during the 10 days of awe, what's going to happen here is Jewish people will take bread. They'll go down to a, a creek, a river, an ocean. They'll meditate upon grace, essentially. And they'll meditate upon their sin, the things that they've done wrong. And they'll take the bread and the breadcrumbs and they will throw them in the water and let them go. Micah 719, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our sins, our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. That's where they get the principle from. And I'm not saying you have to go down to the Delaware and grab some breadcrumbs and throw them down there. It may be a cool physical thing to remind you of what's going on. But I'm telling you, there's a whole load of believers that need to let go of the sinful past. You need to just say, grace. It's letting it all go. So I encourage you to go to a river and do that. It may like, whoa. You know, Lord gives us physical things to teach us spiritual. Sometimes doing a physical act like does something like, whoa, you know? And really closing up, two more scripture verses. 2 Timothy 2.1 Grace is not just a word. I want to say this again. Grace is not just a word. It's not just a theology. It is a power. This is going to change things for you. Grace is not just a word, it's not just a theology, it is a power. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among my witnesses, commit these to faithful men. For you are a soldier of Jesus the Messiah. Grace is a power. It's not just this idea, it's not just this thought, it's not just this, ooh. The grace of the Lord is a power for you to live a righteous lifestyle in Him. Because what is grace? Grace is full reconciliation between you and God. What is grace? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of you. There is a power that is there. It's not just like, ooh, grace, be nice to one another. Because of grace, we have power. Power of the Holy Ghost. And it's a power to live in remembrance of what He has done. It is a power to send forth the kingdom of the gospel. And it is the power to transform you. Not you, but Him in you. And so we need to adopt the understanding of the power of grace. And so we need to let go. We need to tashlich. We need to send out the sins from ourselves and 
wipe them off the, the chips off our shoulders and we need to remember grace. We need to meditate on grace. So while we stand, we're going to close out, we're going to pray and we're going to party it up at the barbecue. I hope Tim brought his wiffle ball bat. I'm not sure if he did, but maybe we can run home and get it. I don't know. It's up to you. If you're so gracious, that'd be great. Got one or? Lord, I just, we come before you. And Lord, I know for many of us, these, these Older Testament stories and these Older Testament holidays are sometimes off of some of our grid. And Father, I pray that I've been able to do a job to mediate and to expose and to show people the depths of these holidays which were written to be done everlasting. And Lord, whether people actually do a celebration of Yom Teruah or not, I mean, honestly, we kind of pretty much already did most of it now. We gathered together, we worshiped, we blew shofars. But Lord, I, I want it to really be a deep thing. I, I want us right now, I want us right now to be a people who could be reminded of the great shofar blast. And it's not a great shofar blast of like fear and terror, but a shofar blast, a sound of alarm. <laughs> the book of life is open all the time. That the day of atonement is, is everlasting because of your son. And Lord, that we can build into our calendar and we can build into our schedule a remembrance and a reminder of what grace really is. Amen? Amen. We'll have the worship team just play a little bit, but to be honest, we're really going to funnel out to the barbecue. But I don't like to just end so abruptly. If, if you want prayer, please come down. I really feel the Lord is just saying for prayer right now is for you to have a moment in your walk with the Lord, to be reminded and to hear the alarm for the reminder of the power of grace in your life, what it really does for you, how it really sets you free, where there's really a power in it. It's not just a theological concept. It's a power that has been given to us through the blood and through the sealing of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. If you are uh, not coming up for prayer, please just be, be quiet and respectful for those that are here, and we will see you all, and we... Would love to see some of our guests to come to the barbecue, but no pressure. Know that there's plenty of food and plenty of grace and love there. Have a wonderful week. Amen.